This is the Marathon Training Academy podcast, episode 381. Thanks to the Boulderthon in Boulder, Colorado for sponsoring this episode. Join the Boulder community, one of the greatest health meccas in the United States, for a full marathon, half marathon, 10K, and kids run on October 9th, 2022. Just head over to boulderthon.org and use the coupon code MTA20 to save $20 off your full or half marathon registration. Thanks also to You Can, last longer in training, keep your hunger in check, all without compromising your health. Fuel your next personal best with You Can, save 20% off with the code MTA. Just go to youcan.co forward slash MTA, use the code MTA for 20% off. And thanks to MetPro for sponsoring this episode. Hear the story of my weight loss journey on the MetPro podcast. Go to metpro.co forward slash MTA to find the interview, and you can also book a free call with a metabolic expert. That's metpro.co forward slash MTA. Welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast. In this episode, we bring you one of our world-famous race recaps as Angie describes the 2022 Boston Marathon. You'll hear some of the amazing stories that came out of this year's marathon, plus sound bites from the MTA meetup, and two coaches join us to share tips on what it takes to run a Boston qualifying time. Lots of good stuff. And don't forget, inside the Academy, we can help you achieve your next personal best Find out how to become a member or a coaching client when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. All right, we're excited to be back on the mic after the Boston Marathon. have a lot to tell you about. Angie had a great race out there, as did many in our community. And we'd like to give a few shout-outs to some folks who ran Boston this year, 2022. Yeah, we got this nice note from Yvette. She says, I feel grateful to have a second chance at Boston on its return to Patriots Day. I wanted to take a different approach to my training to prepare for this year with the goal of simply having a stronger race physically and mentally. I signed up with MTA coach Abby. That in itself took me out of my comfort zone, and her customized approach made sense to me. I welcome the opportunity to shake up my training and push myself. I also appreciated truly training for specificity, which is essential for a race like Boston. On race day, all the training came into place. I managed to achieve my happy realistic A goal, and I surpassed my expectations for a course PR. I was overcome with emotion when I crossed the finish line as I carried with me the people that I've lost these past couple of years and the people who have faced and lost so much more. I am in great awe of human resilience, how people are able to face challenges and hardships, manage them, and even thrive. The marathon is a metaphor and a manifestation of that strength. Wow. Well, thank you, Yvette, for sharing that and happy that you were able to hit your A goal. And this comes from Jim. He says, another MTA member Boston update. What a great experience. I had three goals going in, beating my time from 2011, qualifying for the next Boston marathon and running 320. I beat my previous time by 14 minutes and I finished in 332.07. I needed 335 to qualify. So two out of three goals is not bad, especially since I experienced pretty severe muscle cramps during the last half of the course. Nice. Very impressive how he was able to power through that second half of the course with muscle cramps because it is very challenging. And this comes from Megan from New Hampshire. She says, I ran my first Boston Marathon and it was more than I could ever have dreamed of. The crowds and people in Boston were truly amazing and inspiring. And I hope everyone gets an opportunity once to run it in their lives. I had a lot of setbacks in my training. My father passed away six days before Christmas, leaving me very unmotivated to begin my training. And then my husband and daughter got COVID at the funeral, and my son and I had to quarantine for two weeks. It was a really rough first month, and it was hard mentally to come back, but I was able to get into a groove and work past it. My favorite podcast episode is You Can Do Hard Things. I've only done one previous marathon before this, and I listened to that podcast before that race and again before Boston. It gets me very motivated and helps me keep the mindset that I can do hard things. I was able to get a PR of 327.25 at Boston, beating my previous time of 329. Thank you for all the great tips and tricks and keeping me motivated during a tough time in my life. 
Well, congratulations, Megan, just on getting through your training cycle. I mean, going through something so hard with the loss of your father and then sickness in the house, um, it would be just really, really tough to overcome. I know she's super proud of herself for all that she has managed to do, and we're so happy that we were able to help in a very small way. And this note comes from Michelle. She says, congrats to all of you who ran Boston. What an experience. I've enjoyed reading everyone's stories, and I thought I would add another Boston Marathon update. My first Boston on Monday was amazing. Much of the credit goes to MTA coach Lynn for getting me there. I signed up for coaching after hitting the wall hard at mile 20 when running my first marathon in 2019. My goal was to BQ, which would be 4.05, and run a marathon under four hours. Working with Coach Lynn, I ran and BQ'd at two races in 2021 and was thrilled to be accepted to run Boston this year. With excellent guidance and the training plan from Coach Lynn, I ran 3.44.20 at Boston and felt great doing it. The awesome support of the crowds and perfect weather also contributed to this success. Keep reaching for your goals. It's a great feeling when you get there. Love it. How she went from hitting the wall hard, she said at mile 20 uh, back in 2019, and then taking her training up to another level and dropping her time from four hours down to 344. On the Boston course. That is simply amazing. For sure. Congrats, Michelle, and congrats to all of you out there becoming a better version of yourself. We hope that you enjoy this race recap. Let's go ahead and jump into what went down at the Boston Marathon 2022. Boston Marathon, baby. So, Angie, who were the winners of this year's Boston Marathon? Well, on the men's side of things, it was a complete sweep for Kenya. Evan Shabet finished first in 2 hours, 6 minutes, and 51 seconds, followed by Lawrence Sharono and Benson Caprudo. And the women's side of things, the finish was a bit more exciting. Perez Jepchichir of Kenya was the first place woman. She finished in 2.21.01. Um, but she and the second place woman, Ababel Yeshina of Ethiopia, battled it out. I think in the last mile, they exchanged the lead maybe five or six times, but it was a very exciting race. Third place was Mary Nagui, and going back to the winner, Perez Jepchuchir, this is her fifth straight marathon victory. Wow. And I read she's the only athlete to have won New York City, Boston, and the Olympic marathon. So she's on a just winning streak. (laughs) Um, For the wheelchair race, for the men, the winner was Daniel Romanchuk. And the women's wheelchair winner was Manuela Schar of Switzerland. There were a few other runners that we were following going into the race. Of course, Molly Seidel dropped out around mile 16 due to a hip issue that apparently she'd been dealing with in training and I'm guessing kind of aggravated on the hills in Boston. Um, Nell Rojas, who was the first American last year, was also the first American this year. She ran a PR of 225.57. Um, Des Linden was the third American with a time of 228.47. On the men's side of things, the first American was Scott Fobble, and he finished in 208.52, which was a personal best for him. So definitely a great showing. And from our last Boston recap back in October, we talked about CJ Albertson. He was the guy who self-proclaimed the best downhill runner in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He finished in 210.23, so he definitely is continuing to improve in the marathon. Oh, yeah, that's right, because last time he just bombed downhill at the beginning. That's right. had a massive lead on everybody. And eventually got reeled in and and passed, but I think maybe he paced a little more conservatively this time. But, um, you know, the third place American showing is is not too bad at all. I would think not. (laughs) Anything special about this year? And just for the record, I do know the answer to this question, but I'm just setting it up (laughs) for Angie to uh, talk about what happened. Yeah, that's right. For the first time in three years, the Boston Marathon returned to its traditional Patriots Day date in April, and they had runners from all 50 states and more than 100 countries running this year. They were back to their normal field of around 30,000 runners, so... It's always exciting to be in Boston, but you could definitely feel just the energy. Also, just the crowds were even bigger this year. You know, going to the Expo, just being in downtown Boston, you could just tell that it was definitely at full capacity and things were really exciting. And I think one of the most significant celebrations this year was marking the 50th anniversary of Title IX, specifically when women were officially allowed to run the marathon, although they had been doing Boston unofficially for many years. 
It was in 1972 when the women's field consisted officially of eight runners, and that first women's division was won by Nina Kusek. She actually started running at age 28 after finishing nursing school and having three children. She started really getting into running. She ran Boston for the first time in 1969, getting an unofficial time of 346. And then she started lobbying along with other female athletes for the next two years for the Amateur Athletics Union to change the rules to allow women to run marathons. Meanwhile, around that same time, President Nixon signed Title IX into effect starting the movement for equal rights for women in sports. And apparently during the 1972 race, the conditions were really hot, and Kusek struggled with diarrhea, finishing in 3.10.26, which she thought her time was lousy. Um, You know, most of us would (laughs) kill for a time of 3.10. She later went on to run the New York City Marathon and won twice there, and she then set her sights on bigger goals, She lobbied USA Track and Field to petition the International Olympic Committee to include a women's marathon in the 1984 Olympics. So just a very historic year. So 50 years after placing sixth at the 1972 Boston Marathon, Valerie Rogoszewski, who is now age 75, finished this year's Boston in a time of 6 hours, 38 minutes, and 57 seconds, and she was sporting bib number 1972. And she was joined on the course by her daughters, Abigail and Allie, who were holding signs commemorating her historic finish. And Valerie says that back in 1972, the eight women runners had an understanding that nobody quits and nobody even walks. They really (laughs) had something to prove. And she came back the next two years to run the marathon, um, eventually had a personal best of 3.09.28. But this year was her first full marathon in 45 years and... I would say she did amazing. Yeah, that's a great story. Wow. Another really um, meaningful story is Henry Richard, who ran in honor of his brother, Martin Richard, who was one of the three people killed nine years ago in the Boston bombings. And Richard had Martin's name written on his right arm. He finished just minutes before 2.49 p.m. when the race held a moment of silence in honor of the victims. Henry was 10 years old when his brother was killed in the bombing. You know, I'm sure it kind of felt like coming full circle to be able to do the marathon and honor the memory of his brother and the other victims there. Yeah, it was a powerful moment. When he crossed the finish line, uh, Meb Kofleski put the medal around his neck. And Meb, when he won Boston in 2014, he had Martin's name uh, written on his, his bib. Meb was there at the finish line to greet Henry as Henry was running in honor of his brother. It was just, just really powerful. It's hard not to look at that photo and, and not cry, you know. I know. Yeah, I feel choked up right now. <laughs> I know. But yeah, there's just so many amazing stories, people out there overcoming so many challenges to be there, um, running the race. Um, I'm also thinking of three-time Paralympian Melissa Stockwell. She finished in 358. She was the first American female soldier to lose a limb in active combat and was later honored with a Purple Heart and Bronze Star. And she's gone on to complete in the Paralympics, become just an amazing athlete, but then also run Boston. And then also out on the course was Adrienne Haslett, who lost her leg in the 2013 bombing. And she was running with Shalane Flanagan as a support person. And Adrienne said, I am just super, super grateful. It's never lost on me that I almost lost my life. And she wasn't a runner back in 2013. She was just there spectating. And she wondered why anyone would want to run a marathon. But in the preceding years, she's gone on to become a runner, of course, runs with a prosthesis. And in 2019, she was actually training for, I think, Boston. And she suffered an arm injury from being hit by a car. Mm. Then in 2020, the race was canceled. And in 2021, she had an ankle injury. So it really was a culmination of so many years of struggle and sacrifice to be able to get back to Boston and run it so triumphantly. So how many people ran Boston this year? The race statistics said that 25,314 runners crossed the start line in Hopkinton, and they had a finish rate of 98.4%. Nice. It also said that 16,000 runners were running Boston for the first time. There were also 207 runners who have done at least 20 of the last Bostons in a row, so consecutive years. The longest streak is held by Bennett Beach of Maryland. He ran his 55th consecutive Boston. And then, of course, race director Dave McGillivray always runs the marathon in the afternoon, evening, and he reached his 50th consecutive race this year. 
Um, and of course, the Boston Marathon can't happen without the amazing volunteers. They have 9,500 volunteers. I was reading that the longest volunteer streak is 46 years, held by Dr. Lyle Michelli. He's an orthopedic surgeon. Um, and there's also more than 100 volunteers who have 30 plus years of service. So these volunteers are just very dedicated, and you're just so grateful to have them out there supporting the runners. All right, Angie, so let's bring it down to what it was like for you. First of all, where did you qualify, and how were you able to run Boston two years in a row? Boom, boom. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. For the race this year, they allowed a more generous qualifying window, so I was able to use one of my BQs uh, for the 2021 race, which happened back in October, and another for the marathon this year. So I used my qualifying time from the Hartford Marathon in 2019 to be able to run this year. And not only that, there was not a cutoff, unlike normal years where you have to have a margin. That's right. Every single runner who qualified for Boston this year was able to run it. So that was also very special. So how did your training go for this year? You've shared a little bit on the podcast about battling your hamstring. So how was your training for Boston? Maybe trying to make friends with my hamstring again is a better way to put it. Yes, I did a very gradual buildup in this marathon cycle due to the hamstring rehab that I was doing. So instead of doing a long run every week, I would do one every other week to give myself more recovery time. So for example, I would do 14 miles one week and then maybe 8 to 10 miles for my long run the next week. Then the next week I'd do 15 miles and then go back to maybe 10 miles. So I was a lot less aggressive with my training this year. I also avoided running hills for every long run to put less pressure on my hamstring. Going into a course like Boston, which is so hilly, (laughs) maybe it wasn't the best idea, but I just really wanted to get to the starting line healthy. And I really didn't do any specific speed work other than a few short intervals because that was another thing that tended to aggravate my hamstring. Well, it worked because (laughs) you didn't blow up on the hills. You ran the best you've ever run on Boston course, and you actually BQ'd. I did. You know, I really credit it to being less aggressive, going to PT every week, getting those grassed in and active release treatments, continuing my stretching and strengthening routine. I will say that going into my taper, it was a bit rough because during the tapering period, I mean, your mind is already telling you all sorts of things, you know, second guessing your training Mm -hmm. and giving you weird pains, aches that, you know, didn't crop up earlier in your training. And our kids were sick. So I was like worried that I was going to get sick. I did end up getting sick 10 days before the marathon, was just extremely fatigued and feeling like trash for like three whole days and then having all these respiratory symptoms. And then my neck froze up (laughs) as it does in your 40s sometimes, like woke up, not be able to move my head. You know, it was kind of like one of those situations where I'm like, well, I had a good training cycle, but I feel like this taper has just like a bus has run over me. So (laughs) it happens. It does. So we took the whole family, our three kids. We came into town on Friday because Saturday the next day, um, we did a live event with our friends at UCAN. Angie, you got to uh, co-host this event along with fellow podcaster, Carrie Tollefson. And you guys interviewed Meb Kofleski, Emily Sisson, Emma Bates, and uh, Tommy Runs in front of a live audience. There was maybe, I don't know, 250 people there or so. So what was that like? Well, it was very exciting, and I just felt honored to be asked to do that. But also by exciting, I mean that I was incredibly nervous going into it. <laughs> like, I am an introvert. Like, being in front of people live is not my jam. It was very, it was stressful, but in a good way. Like, um, running a marathon is easier for you <laughs> than speaking on stage. It was less energetically draining to run the marathon, I think. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but the other host, Carrie Tollefson, is a complete natural She is so warm and upbeat. She's so professional that I think she helped put me at ease. And I did actually end up enjoying it once I kind of got out of my own head and tried just to be present in the moment. And it was really neat. The athletes we had on stage gave very thoughtful answers, and it was really fun to learn from their experiences. So overall, a great experience. And then we got to meet um, some listeners afterward, too. So that was also really fun. Hey, you got to sit right next to Meb on stage. I did, yes. And uh, it's close to greatness. <laughs> ask him questions. So that was fun. Big honor to uh, be able to participate. Thank you to our friends at UCAN for inviting us and also being just a longtime faithful sponsor of the podcast. Angie, you were able to use UCAN fuel during your training and also at your marathon. 
That's right. It's just so reliable to know that your fuel is going to keep your energy steady and you're not going to have stomach issues and energy highs and lows. And they've got a great product called You Can Edge, which is basically like their energy formula, but it's packaged like a gel package. So very portable, very easy to use. So yeah, I used it all during training and during the race and just really couldn't be more thankful for the product. So yeah, give it a try. Just head over to youcan.co forward slash MTA. Use the code MTA to get 20% off your order. Youcan.co forward slash MTA. So that was Saturday. Of course, the marathon is on Monday. So then we had Sunday, which was a little bit weird because it was actually Easter Sunday. Yeah, it was. But lots of stuff was open. One thing we did do that was a lot of fun was uh, just kind of an informal MTA meetup back in the Prudential Center, just right in front of this coffee shop. And uh, big thanks to all the runners who came out. I did get some sound bites with these folks. So here are some short clips from the Boston MTA meetup. Check, check. Hey, hey, I'm back at the Boston Marathon with Debbie Gelber. Seems like we were just here. We were. Was it six months ago? Yeah, but you are just as excited about this year as you were last year. So how's the training gone and how do you feel about tomorrow? It's been a great training cycle. Uh, Last month I had my highest mileage ever and no injuries, knock on wood. And I'm I'm just really excited and I hope my bus doesn't get lost. Oh yeah, we heard about that. You were were in the news. (laughs) You were quoted in the paper about that. In the Boston Globe. Yeah. (laughs) You put that on your your LinkedIn bio now. (laughs) So you said you had your highest mileage month. How many miles was that? 213. In a month? In a month. You're not supposed to do that. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's great. How many marathons? Okay, tomorrow will be marathon number what? 40. What number are you trying to get to? 100? Oh, uh, infinity. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be out there running until they, they just have to... They got to pull me off the course. Um, any advice you can give people? Get a coach through MTA, especially Angie. She's the one who got me my very first BQ in right. 2016. That's right. And it took me 15 marathons to get that first BQ. Yeah. So the best thing I did ever was get a coach. Hey, I like that. <laughs> I didn't even pay her to say that. <laughs> okay, I'm here with Aaron at the MTA Meetup. Aaron's been listening to the podcast since probably, you told me, episode 10? Episode 10. I stumbled on you guys. And you stuck with it. I did. <laughs> so why did you uh, go stumbling upon running podcasts on the internet? What, what kind of prompted you to go looking for a podcast like ours? At the time, I was just starting out for a first half marathon and just wanted something to kill the time. So I yeah. Googled marathon podcasts and it was you and maybe one or two others. There were not many out there. So by yeah. default, I got a hold of you. And you have a unique way of listening to our podcast. Why don't you tell people about that? Yeah, so I usually listen to everything at one and a half speed so I can get twice as much in or 50% more in during a run. So listening to you in real life is a little disconcerting because your voice is a lot lower and slower. All right. Well, good luck out there. Thanks for being a longtime listener to Chipmunk, Angie and Trevor at one and a half speed. We are here with Lynn from San Francisco. She is doing the Boston Marathon. She is a prolific marathoner. Very impressed. I follow her on Facebook. Lynn was telling us that she has done the seven continents. How many times? Three times in three years. Half, full, and ultra. What stands out the most about you know doing something like that? It's definitely a challenge, physically, mentally, and financially. Financially. <laughs> so yeah, I would love to do it again if they had if anybody offers uh, the Antarctica. That's about maybe um, fifty miler, but yeah. I, I really have to train for that. Yeah. yeah. But definitely love to do it again. That's amazing. And as far as you know, there's probably no one else who has done all seven continents three years in a row at all of those different distances. As far as I know, correct. Okay, so if the people from the Guinness Book are listening, we need to uh, <laughs> pay attention to this. Doing the Boston Marathon tomorrow, you have also have collected the stars for the World Marathon Majors all in one year. So that's Boston, Tokyo, London, Berlin, Chicago, and did I get them all? And New York. I forgot New York. Well, they always forget me because I never make it into the lottery. Yes, I did it all in one year, 2017. And typically, like, how many marathons a year do you do? I would say at least a dozen. I mean, uh, yeah. And people are wondering right now, okay, so how do you keep yourself from getting injured or burnt out when you're doing so many marathons a year? Well, um, I do cross training. Yeah. So swimming and biking. And uh, obviously, I learned a lot from Marathon Training Academy. All right. About recovery (laughs) and rest. So that's how I learned. 
Great to have you as a listener. And good luck out there tomorrow. Thank you so much, Trevor. And I'm just so happy to meet you in person and see Angie again. I always listen to uh, Marathon Training Academy podcast. Highly recommended. There you go, folks. You got some good advice there. So <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe. I'm here with Bill Drinkward. Bill is, uh, of course, doing the Boston Marathon tomorrow. How do you feel about uh, how your training has gone? Well, training's gone uh, pretty well this cycle. I had a couple, you know, small injuries, but that just kind of makes you mentally tougher for uh, the challenge ahead tomorrow. So I feel prepped and ready and looking to push the gas pedal and see what happens. How fast did you have to run to uh, qualify? What was your qualifying time? For my age group, I'm 54. I had to uh, qualify at 325. So what do you do for a living? Well, I um, was a construction executive for over three decades. And then uh, just at the beginning of the year, actually, I retired. And so I'm on what I call a walkabout now, kind of figuring out if there's a second uh, side of life in me, you know, professionally, or whether I just want to go run the world, which is uh, my heart enjoys that. And I'm also considering doing that as well. Yeah, man, you got it figured out. That's exactly what I want to do. Retire and then just do nothing but travel the world and run and see cool places. Is that the plan? That's basically the plan. So, you know, the first big uh, step in the plan was to get to Boston. So I'm doing Boston. I also also am going to do Big Sur next weekend. Uh, so oh, this nice. Boston to Big Sur challenge is kind of first up. And then uh, I'm also going to explore uh, mountaineering. So I'm doing a climbing mm. school in Ecuador wow. in June for 16 days to learn about high altitude mountaineering. Nice. Living life. Yeah. I love it. Well, good luck out there tomorrow. Run strong, and it's great to have you uh, in the academy. Great, and I, I would just uh, also like to say thank you to Coach Steve Walden with the academy who's uh, helped get me here today uh, with a lot of great advice and coaching. Um, I'm really a big fan of the MTA coaching. Appreciate it. Okay, I'm here with Sanjay from Toronto. Welcome to the United States. Thank you. How do you what do you think of it so far? Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. Crazy. <laughs> The Boston Marathon, and this will be your first first uh, Boston. Uh, official, official Boston. Yeah, so I'm excited for it. How, how fast did you have to run uh, to qualify? What was your qualifying time? So the official qualifying time was supposed to be under 320, and yeah. so I ended up with 317.57. Yeah, so Wicked just fast. Yeah, thank you. What's, uh, what's been the hardest part of training? Just finding the right balance. Yeah. Uh, trying to be smart about not going too crazy, keeping your uh, easy runs easy. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I decided to, I played smart, used the treadmill whenever there's ice on the road, yeah. and uh, I slipped on stairs uh, in a non-running accident. That's and, how that happens right there. And uh, so, you know, the training didn't go quite up to snuff, but yeah. it is what it is, so. You mentioned it's hard to, to do your easy days easy. Are you kind of like type A, like hard driver? Definitely, okay. definitely. So it's There's all, a lot of people listening that are probably that way too. Yeah, so it's it's a commonality, especially amongst uh, runners, but, you know, it, it gets you the fuel for competition. and Yeah, so you might be tempted to uh, start too fast tomorrow because it's such an exciting starting line, plus it's a little bit downhill from what I've heard. Uh, absolutely. So this <laughs> is where I've programmed my watch i've set uh pace ranges to keep me in check yeah now the question will be whether or not i actually follow it is another thing but that's <laughs> that's the plan all right well good luck out there tomorrow thank you i am here with ali armstrong at the boston marathon mta meetup and you are actually with the uh boulder thon and they've become a sponsor of ours recently so tell people about the boulder thon and uh, what, what's that all about absolutely so the boulder thon is boulder colorado's newest race we're in our second year so our first was last october and we're doing it again you basically run the back roads the beautiful foothills of boulder and then run into downtown boulder on the famous nice. pearl street mall nice and if people want to learn more and uh, register they can go to boulderthon.org and use the code mta20 hey hey look at that we got our own code boulderthon.org okay so you're doing the boston marathon tomorrow is it your first boston it is yes and how fast did you have to run to uh, to qualify i ran 318.47 wow so how are you feeling about uh tomorrow you uh got a plan to take it easy try to re-qualify what's 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 the plan what's going on here yeah i think the plan is just to take it easy and enjoy the okay. course um, yeah. definitely a little undertrained, but super excited about it well, as a guy who's consistently undertrained, <laughs> I can tell you, you will not finish dead last. And um, yeah, just enjoy the experience, enjoy every mile, and try not to work too hard. I'm, I'm not the guy to listen to for advice about this, though. <laughs> I 
All right. Well, you just heard Ali talk about the Boulderthon. We are super excited to have another marathon as a sponsor of the podcast. We just love partnering with races. Check out the Boulderthon. They have a full marathon, a half, a 10K, and a kids' run. It takes place October 9th of this year. The setting, of course, is beautiful. It's in the foothills of the Rockies. What's not to like about the Boulderthon? I agree. They call themselves the happiest city in America, and they have an epic downtown Boulder finish for their races. If you use the coupon code MTA20, you can save $20 off your full or half marathon registration. That's boulderthon.org. Use the code MTA20 for 20% off. All right, so Angie, let's take it to race morning. The big day rolls around. Did your bus get lost this time like it did last year? (laughs) No, thankfully. I was very vigilant. Like, can I see other buses around? (laughs) (laughs) I think we're going in the right direction. So it was very nice being dropped off right by the Athletes Village and being able to experience that. So instead of going through the whole course in your entire run, kind of like we traditionally do during a race recap, let me just ask you a few questions, just kind of debrief you. So the first question is, what was your goal going into this race? My A goal was to finish sub 330. You know, I knew it was a bit of a stretch goal because I didn't really know what I had in me coming off the hamstring injury and my less than aggressive training plan. Um, So my B goal was to BQ, which would be sub 340 for my age group. And my C goal was to run strong and just get the best out of myself that I could that day. Smart to have layered goals. And I really was not focused on a specific pace. um, So I was trying to run according to effort. And so I didn't look at my pace at all. You know, just when my watch would buzz every single mile, I would look at what my mile split was. But other than that, I just tried to keep, you know, myself going at an even effort in the early miles and enjoy the course as much as I could. So speaking of the course, did you see anything interesting? There are always a ton of inspirational and funny signs from spectators. Um, one that I remember from this year, someone was holding up a giant Will Smith head that, <laughs> and he's encouraging runners to slap it. <laughs> I saw a photo of that. Yeah, so that was, that was funny. I mean, I didn't go out of my way to slap it, but it was amusing. And we mentioned Adrienne Haslett running. I passed her and Shalane Flanagan out on the course. You know, people, of course, were recognizing Shalane, and there's a lot of enthusiasm surrounding their running. So that was cool to see them out there. Another amazing runner I saw was Jackie Hunt Brersma. She's running 102 marathons in 102 days. Yeah, she'll probably be done by the time this episode goes out. Yeah, Jackie lost part of her leg to a rare form of cancer when she was 26 and didn't start running until 2016, and she runs on a prosthesis. She was actually the first amputee to run 100 miles on a treadmill. And so she's in this journey to run 102 marathons in 102 days. And Boston was marathon number 92. She was such an inspiration because I was hurting at the point where I came upon her on the course. Kind of, you know, you get sometimes negative thinking like this is hard. And then I was thinking, this is Jackie's 92nd marathon in 92 days. Like I cannot even imagine. Yeah. Like she is going strong. Like what is my excuse? (laughs) And there's a, a reason why she's doing 102 Because when she started this, she was going for the 100 and 100 days, and another woman finished during the time, so she's now had to up that. Another woman did 100 marathons in 100 days. That's right. So you told me that you didn't walk on any of the hills. You kept yourself running the whole time. How did you manage that? (laughs) Well, honestly, there were moments when I definitely wanted to walk, but I knew that it would set a bad precedent for myself that if I didn't meet my goal, then I would look back and be like, why did I walk that hill? And I knew that there was no physical reason that I needed to walk as a, you know, like my marathon six months ago, I purposely walked the hills to save my hamstring, but my hamstring was holding up well. And I knew that I had to give it my best so that I wouldn't be mad at myself later. And that included running the hills. Although honestly, I wasn't moving very fast up some of them. However, um, looking back at your tracking data, because I was following you on the app there, there was a huge dip at mile 20 where your average pace went down to like a 10 minute mile. And I thought to myself, she's on heartbreak hill and <laughs> she's, uh, she's walking, but that's not what happened. No, it was actually before heartbreak hill. Well, I was feeling very bloated and gassy about midway into the race. We're going to be honest because we're all runners here. And I decided that I wanted to be safe rather than sorry. So I stopped at a porta pot <laughs> and that probably cost me about two minutes. You don't typically, I don't regret it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I stop and pee all the time at marathons, but that's not something that you ever need to do. Rarely. I think because of how Boston starts so much later in the day, mm. my wave didn't get going till about 1050. And so it's a challenge to know how to eat in the morning for me. Yeah. Um, because you don't want to eat anything too heavy and have digestive issues. You don't want to eat too light and then be hungry and feel weak. And then like hydration, you want to be well hydrated, but you don't want to be peeing every five miles. And so it really is a balance. And I feel like probably my race morning breakfast um, led to maybe kind of that bloated feeling. What'd you have? Well, I had oatmeal early on in the day and then like... Six pieces of bacon, (laughs) an omelet. (laughs) And then I had um, like an hour before the race, I had a banana and some coconut water. And I think I should not have had the banana. But Coach Angelo told you you need potassium. He did. Yes. So I was listening to him. He did not say I needed as much on race day. So okay, I don't typically eat a banana on race morning, although I know a lot of runners do. In fact, I was looking at people's um, bags they took to Athletes Village to the start line. I would say probably like 80% of the people had a banana in their bag. (laughs) Speaking of uh, Coach Angelo, we're talking about Angelo Poli. He's uh, Angie's nutrition coach. He's also the co-founder of MetPro. How did Angelo have your nutrition game dialed in going into uh, this training cycle and the Boston Marathon, you think? Yeah, he really helped me work well with the phase of training that I was in because I did want to get a little bit leaner before the race, but I also wanted to be well-fueled going into it. That's a hard balance. Yeah, so we did a cutting cycle early on in my training when I wasn't running you know, the higher miles, the long runs, and then we started doing an up adjust as we got closer to race day so that I would you know, feel well-fueled and definitely felt very good from a nutritional standpoint going into the race. He also had me, like you mentioned, um, the week before the race to start adding more potassium to my diet. So I was having a banana a day. And yeah. And what's the purpose of that? Well, it's one of the electrolytes. And we often get a lot of sodium in our diets just because a lot of the food that we eat does have a lot of salt in it. But often that sodium potassium balance is out of whack. And so Ah. adding a little bit more potassium to your diet can be helpful just from an electrolyte standpoint, maybe help prevent some of the cramps that can happen. Well, it paid off. You BQ'd now for the third time working with MetPro coaches. For the fourth time, actually. For the fourth time. I stand corrected. (laughs) If you want to see what a MetPro coach can do for you, you can get a free consultation call if you go to metpro.co forward slash MTA. They also just had Angie as a guest on their podcast. And uh, I've been told that if you leave a review for the MetPro Method podcast and then Tell them that you left the review. You'll be entered into a contest to win a free month of MetPro coaching. MetPro.co forward slash MTA. So you made it through the hills. You're getting close to the finish. The kids and I were actually out spectating at this point. I wanted our kids to uh, just feel the energy of the finish line. So we were pretty close. I mean, where we were standing, it was on Boylston. You could see the finish line. What was it like when you turned? What is it, a left turn? Left turn, yep. They say right on Hereford, left on Boylston. So what was it like making that left turn, looking down and seeing the finish line? Wow. Happiness combined with extreme relief. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) marathons are really freaking hard. And you can see from the race photos, the smile on my face when I make that left turn onto Boylston. It's like my eyes light up. Like, there it is. Yeah. find another gear and get to that finish line and like you mentioned there are so many spectators down that stretch that it makes it one of the most special finish lines experiences ever yeah we were trying to get your attention um first of all it was it was hard to spot you because there's so many runners coming through and the we're looking and we're looking and then finally you're about parallel with us and riley our oldest son spots you So we all start yelling, but it was just drowned out by everyone else and we didn't get your attention. But nevertheless, we saw you run by. Well, that was nice for you to be there. I was definitely in a zone, like get to the finish line zone. You know, you kind of like block everything else out. At least I do. (laughs) Where? Go, Angie! And I knew that you would be on pace to qualify for Boston, to BQ. And we got to say you kind of like eked in a little bit. You know? I did. Yeah. 54 <laughs> seconds. Woo. <laughs> hey, that's fine. I would take it. So how does it feel to qualify for Boston at Boston? Yeah, it felt amazing, especially given that I was coming off this injury, not really knowing what I had in me. 
yeah, I was I was very happy. Of course, it's funny, like if you're a type A person that the happiness of reaching a goal is also countered with my mind telling me that I could have finished faster if mm. I had gotten out faster, like, or if I didn't do the bathroom stop. So it's kind of a constant battle to enjoy the present moment yeah. and be satisfied and content with reality. I don't know if any other listeners struggle with that as well, but I'm, I'm thinking there probably are. <laughs> probably everyone that runs Boston. So this was marathon number what for you? 69. Nice. So do you have any tips for people wanting to uh, run a BQ? Yeah, good question. I think first off, it's really important to have the mental side of your goal in mind. So know your why. It's going to be probably a very hard thing to accomplish. And so you have to do it for you. Um, You're going to have to be internally motivated to be able to accomplish a goal like running a BQ. And I would say also to stay consistent. Um, A Boston qualifying time isn't typically built over just one training cycle. For some runners like me, it can be years of hard work. And then, of course, you need to balance hard work and recovery. So I always advise people to keep your hard days hard and your easy days easy. And don't forget to take rest days because it can be tempting to think, well, I always need to be doing more to qualify. Um, but you really have to give your body that recovery and rest that it needs so you don't get injured and that you do have the strength and energy to run the quality workouts that you need to be doing. And then, of course, enjoy the process. Um, you have to celebrate the victories along the way because sometimes it's not just a straight progression to your BQ. You have setbacks. I remember before I qualified for my first Boston, I tried a couple times and one time came a minute and 46 seconds short. Mm. Another time I missed it by 41 seconds. You know, so there were many disappointments along the way, but I really just had to continue celebrating the fact that I was able to run marathons and I had the strength to cross the finish line, even though it wasn't the time that I maybe wanted. And we wanted to share some more tips with you about uh, qualifying for Boston. So we're going to bring on two guests uh, from our team. Coach Kristen actually uh, ran a sub three-hour marathon out there at Boston. She finished in 258.27. It's just amazing. And this was two weeks after winning the Revel Mount Charleston half marathon. So we're going to patch her in. She lives in New York City and has been uh, on our team since January. Uh, here is Coach Kristen. So we're talking with Coach Kristen Smith from New York City, and she won the Revel Mount Charleston Half Marathon recently with a time of 116.55, just blazing fast. And um, Kristen, when you when you showed up at this race, how soon into the race did you know that, hey, I'm going to win this thing? It actually wasn't that soon because I was in second place until about mile 10. I had the first place runner in my sights, but she was a good ways ahead of me. At some point, she was about a minute and a half ahead of me easily. Hmm. Um, I could just see her, you know, she looked very tiny off off in front of me. I kept trying to gain whatever ground I could. Just, I said, bit by bit, bit by bit. If I just catch her at at mile 13, that's fine because I still have the point one and I can pass her. That's all I needed. And so I just kept trying to chip away, chip away. And yeah, finally at about mile 10, I made the decision uh, to try to pass her there. At the time, I wasn't sure if that was a good decision or not because I wasn't sure if I could maintain that level, but um, it worked out. And so I passed her and kept looking behind me. The sun was such that I could see shadows. It was just me. There was me and no one else around. So I could see the shadow and see how far away she was from me. Um, So I said, just maintain, just maintain. And that's all you have to do. And thankfully it it worked out. Did Uh, you have to look over your shoulder quite a bit? Yeah, I, I had to keep looking back. I, you know, I was very, I was very nervous. I just wanted to keep a gap. And there were a couple of people along the sidelines that kept yelling out, you're in first. And I would say, can you see the person behind me? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I had these spectators trying to help me because I didn't want to lose too much momentum by turning to around too much. And, you know, so it was difficult to predict. 
it took almost all of my energy just to catch up with her period. So then yeah. at that point I was like, Oh no, <laughs> now I have to keep this, <laughs> keep the lead. Wow. <laughs> I think that's something that probably most of us who run more of the middle of the pack don't think about um, because, you know, you have to m- make a move eventually if you are going to be a contender for, you know, a podium spot or especially first place. But then, yeah, you just don't know if it's going to be the right time, if you can maintain that pace and that momentum. How did you feel when you broke that tape? Um, I'm sure, you know, you're just super, were happy, but was it just kind of like a lot of tension fell off your shoulders? I was in complete disbelief. Even after I crossed the line and I broke the tape, I was like, I can't believe that happened because I had no idea going in. I had not trained for that, like specifically for the half. I was not gunning for that race for months. You know, it was very much a shock to me. That was my last hard run before Boston, really. So, you know, it was meant to be sort of like a, hey, this is the last training hurrah. (laughs) So how did your recovery go? I mean, were your quads pretty unhappy after bombing it downhill for a half marathon? I know some of those rebel courses can be pretty challenging. This is my secret. I'll give it out. I do serious, heavy lifting strength work in the gym to prepare my quads, partly for Boston as well. But, you know, it, it definitely comes in in handy on those on those big downhills. My quads do relatively okay, given given that. And also the fact that it was just the half and not the marathon distance that that also benefited me. So I, I bounced back pretty quickly. And I heard you ran sub three at Boston. What was your official time? Uh, 2.58.27. Awesome. Well, congratulations. How did the race break down for you? How did you do? So I hit my number one goal, which was to PR. I did not hit my number two goal, which was a slightly faster time goal. However, most importantly, I wanted to not hit the wall and I did play it a little bit conservatively. And I think that was a good call, but you know, there is a little bit of a regret there in that. I do think I could have gone faster. You know, you're skating the edge there, you know, how much do I push hmm. it? Do I pull back here? Not necessarily a, an easy course to set a PR. Are you talking no. about a course PR or overall? That was an overall PR for me, oh, actually. Nice. Yeah, it is a very hard course. Yeah. It's very tricky to pace. That was sort of what I was worried about and why I did go out and, and be pretty conservative. Because from a training perspective, I think my times in training indicated that I could probably do it a little bit faster. But again, that course is just, it's so tricky. You know, you, you have to really save so much for the end, which is just nonstop hills, hills, hills in the late half. And so you, you have to really kind of play it a little close to the line there in terms of pacing and, and energy. Are there any tips you could share with our listeners who want to get faster and want to qualify for Boston? Absolutely. So my biggest tip is be consistent. Whatever little bit you can do, that actually goes a long way. I like to take a really big picture approach with things. So in terms of expecting results right away, even in one training cycle, that may not be realistic. And that's okay because... Sometimes you may just get, you know, a few seconds faster in your PR and then the next time you go out, you you get minutes. It's really difficult to predict. Your body doesn't necessarily go on the timeline that that you want it to go or that you (laughs) set it, right? You know, it's like, no, but I have this race and I decided that this is the race that I'm going to do and this is when I want you to PR and it doesn't always work out like that. But if you really just are consistent and put in the hard work, then eventually the time will come, right? That's super important. And then obviously staying injury-free In terms of consistency, you have to be injury-free if you want to really make those big gains. Health is the number one priority, so you always have to listen to your body. And, you know, if you feel like you're pushing yourself to injury, then you have to back off whatever the timing of that is, that's what you have to do. And injuries don't come at convenient times either. So (laughs) (laughs) it it will always come at the worst times. So the best thing to do is is to really stay injury free. And that, and honestly, that's one thing that I've been extremely fortunate about in my running career in that other than one time I've had a stress fracture, that was the, the most time that I've ever had to take off unplanned, unscheduled. The reason that I've been able to do that and only have had that one setback is because along the way, you know, as a niggle comes up, as something, you know, potentially feels a little off, I address it right then and don't let it bubble up and build up. And that really makes all the difference. That's super important not to be in a state of denial. Like you said, keeping that goal of being healthy and strong is your number one priority. And that's going to inform everything else that you do with your training. It helps to work with a good coach, too, who can help guide you along the way. What's it like to work with athletes who are pursuing their running goals? Um, I'm sure that you have a passion for helping others just to get faster and achieve whatever goals that they've set for themselves. 
honestly, I enjoy other people's success more than my own. Like my own mm. comes with so much stress and like baggage <laughs> attached and strings and, you know, like doubts and all of this stuff. Other people, like I, it's just a hundred percent pure joy, pure celebration. <laughs> like I love helping people reach their full potential. A lot of times we're our own biggest critic and, you know, sometimes mm. it's hard to see yourself objectively and, and really even acknowledge the, the great strides that you've made. So I think it's super important to have people around you, a coach or even your loved ones, but have people, you know, a support system telling you like, man, what you're doing is amazing. Like I'm amazed by you, you know, um, yeah. it, it makes it really worthwhile and really fulfilling uh, to have that. Yeah, we agree. Well, it's awesome to have you on the MTA coaching team and congrats on your PR there in Boston. And uh, so what's next? I do not have another race planned at this point. I wanted to see how Boston would go first, but my my big excitement is that I'm turning 40 in, in uh, a month and a half. So yeah. I, <laughs> no one ever says that except for runners. Like, new yes, age new age group. <laughs> new Watch age out, group. Masters Runners. Here exactly, she comes. <laughs> exactly. So I'm, I'm really excited to to tackle that. I'm looking for something, a race where they do acknowledge masters separately from, from the uh, overall field. So I'm going to be planning some fall race that has that. And other than that, I do not know. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for speaking with us again. Congrats on your PR at Boston. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And now we want to bring on coach Antonio. He, uh, at the age of 58, uh, ran a 321.56 marathon at Boston. Uh, it was a lifetime PR, so just had a killer day out there. And we haven't had him on the podcast yet either, so we wanted to just bring him in for a short call to have him share just how he was able to do that and tips that he has for training, especially where it's flat and hot because he lives in Miami. So we wanted to bring him on to share some tips about running a Boston qualifying time. All right, we're talking with Coach Antonio now, joining us from Florida. That's right, Miami, Florida. Now, you're, you're originally from Spain, is that right? Originally from uh, Barcelona, Spain. Awesome. Looking forward to being in Spain um, this summer for a little bit. So, you had a tremendous day out there at the Boston Marathon. We want to ask you about, before we do that, tell us um, how you got interested in uh, long-distance running. I'll make the executive summary of the story. Um, basically, <laughs> one day, um, I, I never run in um, like high school, college. Um, you know, I was more a, uh, you know, I used to play soccer. Everyone in Europe, Spain <laughs> plays soccer. But uh, one day, um, about 12, 13, 14 years ago, so I, you know, went to the doctor and um, basically say, look, uh, you're, um, you know, you're a skinny guy, but your cholesterol is a little high. What do you do? You do any sports? And I say, no, <laughs> not really. Do you, do you go to the gym no and uh, I say you you better start doing something and I asked him how about running and uh, I said yeah that'll be perfect and that's how everything started I joined a, um, a local group um, to run a half marathon at that point and then uh, the rest is history <laughs> nice you were hooked after that first half marathon huh <laughs> indeed for sure for sure I was so tell us about your experience um, this time around because I mean we know that you had you know just an amazing PR and kind yes. of tell us how that broke down what what it was like so a um, lot of um, I would say uh, specific um, train specifically for a race because every race is different um, this one in particular um, of course you know everybody talks about Heartbreak Hill the Newton Hills so unfortunately uh, as you know we don't have too many hills here in Florida and in Miami <laughs> so the only way to train was like go up and down bridges I even try, um, I wouldn't recommend because of safety issues sometimes, but, um, you know, I'm a little crazy sometimes. I will <laughs> go to parking garages, you know, going all the way to the top, you know, 10 stories. Yeah. Um, mm. So, yeah, a lot of bridges. Um, and also, you know, being the way Boston is as, as a course, um, start conservative because, you know, I've, I've read a lot of stories of, uh, I mean, you know, and it happened to me back in 2019. I started too fast. And by the time people get into the Newton Hills, you know, they're, they're spent and mm -hmm. they, um, you know, they have a very hard time, you know, to run their last uh, 10 miles or so of the race. So what was your official finishing time? 
3.21.56. And nice. actually, I was actually looking at the, some of the pictures and uh, some, you know, you always try to look good for the camera on the, on the <laughs> final stretch. And you can see me on the, on Boylston, you know, doing this, looking at my watch because I wanted to break 3.22. So, you know, once yeah. you get into the zone, it's okay, 3.20, it has to be under, I don't mind 3.21.59, but it has to be below 3.20. <laughs> so it's like, with like 50 meters to go, I'm like this. I'm like this, checking my watch, like impossibly. <laughs> Sprinting and checking your watch, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's the qualifying time for you? What was it take? Uh, for my age group, uh, is three thirty-five. So um, you know, I have a thirteen-minute cushion for uh, nice. to be, you know, to be back next year again and, and doing it, doing it again. <laughs> Isn't it amazing though? You're not as young as you were when you started running, but you're faster now. <laughs> So it uh, goes to uh, age is just a number. Sometimes people say, yeah. oh, I'm too old to start running. Yeah, you're never too old and you never know. You know, you never know, uh, if, you know, with the right plan and everything. Yeah. There'll be 59 in, in July, which means like for 2024, it's a new age group for, for Boston. Yes. That's the way we think, you know, <laughs> right? always about age groups. <laughs> That's right. It's none of that depression of turning that next age number if it's a new age group. <laughs> it feels, feels good. Yeah, it feels good to uh, go into a new age group. Yeah. And we get to meet you in person, um, let's see, two days before the race. Yep. That was and awesome to meet you. That was yes. so fun. And we were, you know, actually just talking there about, you know, how age is just a number and you never know when you are still going to be able to PR. I mean, they're not guaranteed forever, but when you put in the work and have the consistency that you've shown, you know, it's, it's totally possibly 58 and still, That's you know, a, yeah, reaching for awesome. your personal best. Yeah, you're running like two hours faster than me. (laughs) (laughs) You have to put put up the work, Trevor. I know. uh, You'll get get your PRs. You'll get your PRs. (laughs) So what inspired you to want to be a running coach? Um, I I thought that, again, when I started, I wasn't too aware of how things work. But, you know, little by little, um, you start learning, you get your certification. And um, um, there is a big running community where I am here in uh, Miami. And, you know, sometimes people will come to me and ask me questions. Oh, what what do you think about this? You know, do you think I should run faster or like a little slower in this particular run? And, you know, then decided to become a coach. And, you know, I I like to help people. I like to help people. I like to... uh, to see also like how they um, how they evolve, you know, as uh, athletes, yeah. as runners, and uh, it's very satisfying. It's very very satisfying. So I guess uh, to kind of conclude, if you can give people sort of a snapshot of what your training was like, some of the workouts that you did, you mentioned to get in your hills that you ran bridges and parking garages and did did what you had to do to improvise. What else did you do to train to to be able to run at the speed that you're running at? You have to come, especially for marathons, you have to combine um, because people sometimes they um, focus a lot on, on, on the speed work. You know, it is very important, but um, the easy run part, you know, it's um, 80%, you know, in marathon training has to be aerobic, has to be easy. Mm. And um, it's, I mean, the easy runs are in a way, you know, is that what fuels your like engine, you know, to like keep going and going. And um, so that's very critical, you know, easy runs, um, you know, sometimes, you know, you do those um, 20 milers and uh, you have to go like two, three minutes slower than the, your 5K pace. You know, the mo- it's not the most enjoyable uh, <laughs> run, but, uh, you know, someone's got to do them and uh, it, it's, it's necessary. And then combined with speed work, Yasso's 800s at the track, you know, some, mm. you know, longer tempo runs. And a lot of flexibility also. You know, what happens also to many runners, you know, it, ha- it has happened to me in the past, is like um, is injuries. So that's that's one of the things you want to avoid, especially for, um, you know, once you start putting a lot of mileage week after week, injuries are possible. So a lot of stretching, yeah. dynamic stretching, strength, you know, focus, strength training, especially for your legs, a lot of um, squats, lunges um, that, uh, you know, they strengthen your legs. And uh, as I say, flexibility to avoid, um, to avoid injuries. Everyone's had had injuries. So uh, Mm. we need to deal with that. So as you know, minimize as much as we can. That's right. And, And how do you beat the heat there in Miami? You never do. <laughs> you just acclimate <laughs> to it. <laughs> yes, but you know, see that—that's the thing. Also, um, um, you know, you go to Boston; it's like forty-eight, fifty degrees, and you know, it's it's heaven. It's it's heaven running <laughs> in that type of way. And no humidity. I mean, the thing with Miami is that um, for like nine months out of. 
12, you know, you, you wake up in the morning. I mean, the long runs, we have to start at before 5 a.m. because once the sun is out, you know, it's you, 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 you mm. can die. So it's 5 a.m. It's already 80 degrees and 95% humidity. Wow. So uh, wow. it's... Uh, <laughs> So it's you have to go you have to go ultra easy you know if you have to well let's say nine minute pace you have to go ten because uh, you know mm. you have to adjust for humidity and everything so but then you go to like Boston and you know it's it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an honor to have you on our team, Antonio, and uh, working with clients and our community. Congrats again on the massive uh, lifetime PR on a difficult course. Yes, and just lean Thank by you. example. That's thank right. you, thank you so much, and thanks for the opportunity. And you know, it's a pleasure working with uh, with you guys and everything. All right. Well, it's always fun to uh, talk to people in our community, and we we're really honored to have Kristen and Antonio, as well as thirteen. We have thirteen coaches, including Angie, on our team helping clients um, all over the world. So, Angie, for you, what's next? Uh, you got two back-to-back Boston medals now. That's right. Hanging on your your wall there. So, what are you going to do next? Well, we are both signed up for a relay race in Hungary this summer when we're traveling in Europe. Yep. Um, so that will be exciting and something new for sure. That's right. Angie's going to run 40 miles and I'm going to run one. I don't think we've <laughs> talked about it yet. but <laughs> Yes. And then I'm tentatively planning on doing the Bozeman Half Marathon in September. And then I signed up for the Wineglass Marathon in Corning, New York on October 2nd. So excited about starting to train for those races in the near future. It's going to be here before we know it. Yeah, we are looking forward to being at those races and hopefully some more and taking you with us uh, as we do race recaps from our travels. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for being a listener. Just want to encourage you to keep taking action in your goals. It will pay off. If we can help you in any way, please reach out. We have a contact form on our website. Just go to marathontrainingacademy.com. Until next time, always remember you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Bye. Right.